0: Customer Land is a podcast about customers, how to get more of them, how to keep them, what makes them tick. We talk to the experts, the technologies, and occasionally actual people, you know, customers, to find out what they're all about. So if you're a CX pro, a loyalty marketer, a brand owner, an agency planner, if you're a CRM and personalization geek, if you're a customer service CSAT NPS nerd, you finally have a home. I'm Mike Giambattista, welcome to Customer Land. Nicole Kyle is Managing Partner of CMP and Co-Founder of CMP Research. Nicole, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you, Mike, for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Of course. We have a lot to talk about. Um, I know that you've just released some research, which we'll dig into in a minute. But if, maybe if you would, just tell us a little bit about CMP and specifically CMP Research, just to add context to what we will be talking about.
1: Sure, sure. So customer management practice is the leading events, research and community organization for customer executives. So when I say customer executives, we really run the gambit from customer contact leaders, customer service and CX professionals and executives. Uh, Customer management practice, you or some of your listeners might be familiar with our leading event, Customer Contact Week. Uh, That's one of our flagship brands in our events vertical. Uh, But CMP overall has three divisions. Events, as I mentioned, digital, which is our free online community-based portal and organization. And then research, which is the division I head up. So CMP research specifically is all about crowdsourcing from our customer contact community insight and information that is independent, vendor agnostic, and really information that helps executives address their most urgent challenges. So we always like to say, CMP Research sits at the intersection of the future of work and customer contact because that's where a lot of the uncertainty is right now. Um, but that's that's what we do and, and who we are.
0: So the only thing that bothers me about what you just said is that this is our first time connecting. It seems like we should have been talking a long, long time ago. I agree. <laughs> Considering the overlap between, you know, what we cover and what you guys actually do. So um, your your recently released white paper covered, uh, in my words, uh, executive expectations on how they will be investing themselves and in their resources into customer engagement, customer experience initiatives uh, and near-term. So I don't want to give away the the findings. I'd much rather hear you elaborate on them, but um, maybe we can just take it from the top. And I'm going off of some notes here. Um, Number one, and I'll just kind of throw this out to you. Uh, And I believe these were prioritized from your research. Um, Creating a frictionless customer experience and retaining talent are the top most urgent priorities for customer contact leaders. Kind of not that surprising in itself because, you know, customers are kind of the center of the universe here. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's probably a change in priorities for a lot of people.
1: Yes, no, you're absolutely right. It was really interesting doing the analysis this year. And for a little bit of context, we do this initiative and this analysis every year. And we ask on a one- to two-year time horizon. So those priorities you mentioned, creating a frictionless experience and retaining talent, that's what our you know, executive base said. You know, those are the top two things most important and most difficult for me to get right uh, in the next two years. Uh, last year, when we did this initiative, hiring talent was number one and retaining talent was number two. So I think what that is a testament to is there's been a lot of changes in the labor market, in the last two or three years there's also changes in our current economic climate that's you know, maybe made hiring less of an issue um but that talent retention piece is still super top of mind so yeah we always talk about like the two sides of the customer coin it's the cx and it's the agent x or employee experience and those two things obviously reinforce each other so we weren't completely surprised to see those come up as the top two but it was really telling to see frictionless CX, you know, outpace the more agent-related things as we look into 2023 and 2024.
0: That that actually really is interesting. I've spoken to a number of people who operate in the CX world, CX, EX world, yes, and um, and they're saying the same thing, coming at it from different angles. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, they're they're inextricably intertwined, mm-hmm. uh, but the priorities and kind of the the ways that these various companies are weighting those those efforts are a little different really interesting can you can you talk a little bit i don't know if the research got into this at all how uh, companies and these executives are, are planning to invest there i mean what are their tactical you know uh, pathways
1: yeah for for sure so it was it was so interesting because that top priority that, that you decided of creating a frictionless customer experience, like that's how we wrote it. But we also realized that is kind of like the ultimate goal, like the highest altitude goal for any customer leader. So when we looked through the list of other priorities and challenges we asked about, so things like managing technology transitions, reducing employee burnout, um, improving the self-service experience, those are all like sub-drivers, I would say, to an extent of either that frictionless CX or retaining your talent and offering a better employee experience. So as we went down that list and went down the priority list, managing technology transitions is number three. Uh, Number four is improving the self-service experience. And number five is reducing burnout. So we've dug into that a little bit more in conversation with our community base. And that, especially that ultimate goal of removing friction, technology transitions are cited as the hardest part of doing that. And specifically the technology suite and understanding what integrates with what and really cutting through the noise in the marketplace, frankly. So um, reevaluating tech investments, I suppose, is kind of the short answer there as to one of the, the more tactical ways folks are looking at that. And then, of course, that self-service point, huge area of focus for us coming up in the next year, because we know with the current economic pressure executives are under moving more customer interactions to self-service is good, not just for the business, but also good for the post-COVID customer who wants to be more self-sufficient. Right. So that, that's where we start to get into some of the more tactical pieces.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm debating in my mind whether to go down this particular path because it does <laughs> take us off, off track here a little bit. But you said, I would just love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, not mm-hmm. so much a debate, but just to hear your thoughts on it. That. The, the phrase you used was something like um, creating a frictionless experience is basically the the ultimate goal of anybody in CX or EX. And and the notion I would just love to hear your thoughts on is that in in basic storytelling, in uh, actually even in CX, in certain cases, it's healthy to create certain kinds of strategic friction friction points and and uh, uh i'm even even in architecture there i've seen this played out where you know uh spaces can be constrained somewhat kind of subtly so that they open up and you you get a big aha moment but you you feel better so it's all about kind of manufacturing in those cases manufacturing a situation where surprise and delight is a little bit more likely but um so yeah, that's a dog leg from from what we had anticipated, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You know, is is there for the the modern uh, enterprise level CXEX executive? Is there a place for strategic friction or is that just so esoteric that it let's talk about it some other time?
1: No, I love the question, Mike. I think it's fantastic. Uh, the short answer is Yes, I do believe there is room for strategic friction. Um, but and the reason I feel that way is, well, look, number one, like the core of my research methodology and our team is we challenge assumptions. But in order to challenge assumptions, we have to know what those assumptions are. So from our executive analysis that we're talking through uh, and executives telling us for the most part, you know, friction is its ultimate goal that sends up an immediate flag of, okay, that's an assumption we as an industry have, that removing all or most friction is generally good. Will our research look into that assumption this year and try and challenge it? Absolutely. We want to figure out, is that a worthy assumption to hold or not? But more directly to your question, speaking to strategic friction, we have seen this and heard this a lot from our clients uh, in industries where fraud, of course, is you know, a high likelihood or a high risk. So certainly for fraud mitigation, you want strategic friction, Um, you know, identity theft and all that. So you see it a lot in financial services and insurance, of course. Um, The other thing about strategic friction is we started to talk about this at a recent event with our community. If if strategic friction is uh, used as a means of educating the customer, or at least you are setting expectations as to why that strategic friction exists, the friction might have less of a negative impact than you originally thought. So sort of coming back to the fraud example, if in my self-service portal, uh, someone is trying to replace their credit card, like super oversimplified example, um, and they have to go through six steps of identity verification, and uh, they otherwise be pretty frustrated in this, even though they're doing it themselves, putting in little lines of, you know, why, why are we asking you this? And then having an education moment of... Fraud rates have been increasing in industry in the last couple of years from X to Y. Um, Adding an additional layer of verification helps us mitigate that. Um, That might be friction, but it's less of a harmful friction and less emotional because you've educated the customers why it's happening. So I don't have the perfect answer yet, but certainly something we want to explore as we look into, A what are customer expectations around their self-service experience and around friction now? How much will they tolerate? How much will they not? Is it more or less than it was two years ago, three years ago? And secondly, uh, how do we then like actually operationalize that and put that into place? So yeah, it's a fantastic question.
0: Well, I, I, I would love to, to stay close to the conversation okay. on it because um yeah, you know, I think it's those, those little esoteric things, otherwise esoteric things that, you know, the cumulative effect can really, can really create brand loyalty or it can cause it to dissipate. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's just me, but what do I that's know? Oh. I want to take a quick break from the conversation to tell you about one of our sponsors. What could you achieve if you knew what your customers expected ahead of time? What if you could know what customers expect by category and by brand 12 to 18 months ahead of traditional brand tracking methods? And what if you could know exactly where to adjust and where to spend in order to drive the most benefit every time? A customer expectation audit allows you to identify areas that require strategic reinforcement, as well as pinpoint which values will contribute most to an emotional bond with your brand and optimize accordingly. Customer Land has partnered with Brand Keys, the world's oldest loyalty-focused consumer research firm, to bring real-world customer expectation audits to brands, brand managers, and to CX practitioners everywhere. Want to know where your brand stands and exactly what to do about it? Go to expectationaudit.com. That's expectationaudit.com and download a sample audit today. Back to the, to the regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> um, yeah, one of your points here, and you mentioned it earlier, was managing technology transitions is the third most urgent priority. Uh, the tech suite is the biggest obstacle for creating a frictionless CX. Boy, oh boy. Well, so I think that one sounds obvious in retrospect. I mean, I talked to, to uh, technology providers, and I talked to the people who implement them, Fairly frequently, mm-hmm. I also talk to CX leaders who are tasked with like not only kind of managing those implementations into their into their staff, but um, what kinds of almost cultural changes they're up against sometimes in order to, to implement that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's not just, hey, here's a new tool set. Oftentimes, it's it's more about like. We're we have we're changing the way we think about this aspect of our customer engagement. I mean, do you find that, or is um, do you think that's systemic? Do you think that is you know common, or is that just kind of limited to whatever the culture of the company at the time?
1: No, I, I think it is common, and and we do see this uh, the risks to a technology transition. It's as much about the risk to your customer potentially as it is the risk to your business as it is to the risk to your employee journey. Uh, It's really been interesting for us to see how all of these urgent priorities we identified through the study, how they relate together. And one of the things is, one of the core reasons for employee burnout, agent burnout in the contact center is proliferation of tools and switching those tools so frequently. So you've got, you know, Managing technology transitions is hard, and mitigating agent burnout is hard. But unfortunately, one of those things is contributing to the other, (laughs) so it's (laughs) doubly hard. (laughs) Um, So that's been really a a takeaway observation for us. Um, And then the other thing I'd say is, as we know, and understandably, like tech moves fast, and in some ways, the solutions may be moving. Faster than our use cases or our our readiness, our tech readiness as an organization. Uh, So that's another thing we're we're trying to to help executives kind of combat.
0: So you just opened up another another whole hornet's nest of stuff here, Um, but you know, tech does move fast, and we've seen that. I'm just call it the past what ninety days, hundred and twenty days with uh generative ai and chat gpt and its successors and the fact that the the entire business world is either incredibly excited or incredibly anxious about what that means and and i don't think i don't think cx or ex are immune to that i mean have you see it all over the place but what's your view on it i mean you know is it a is it a well What is your view on ChatGPT and generative AI and the variants and and how that can help now and what that might mean for the future of of CXEX?
1: Yes, yes. So gosh, my view on generative AI has a lot of dimensions, uh, but the dimension most relevant to, to CX is certainly, I think it's going to help us as an industry. I think it's going to help us become more efficient in terms of taking on some of the low value work or taking on like if you think about the self-service interaction and self-service portals taking on some of that burden of writing up the first draft of what the FAQ portal should be for our customer right um, and it might not be perfect and it won't be perfect the first time that the bot comes back with it but it can get us you know 60% of the way there faster. Um, so I think efficiency will certainly be improved. And I do think like we're seeing how it's almost scary how smart the, the bots and variations are getting. Uh, so we do expect AI driven, not AI assisted but fully AI owned chatbots to become better. Um, the big question mark in all of this is how long will it take us to see those efficiencies and those improved AI driven chat chatbot experiences with customers? We don't know yet. And I, I do think it's going to take a lot of time um, because we are early days and working out the kinks. Um, it's also a big part of our upcoming study on optimizing self service for the post COVID customer. Because one of the, when we do our tech roadmap for customer contact executives, obviously one of the categories we're looking at is uh, AI chatbot and uh, c- customer messaging features. So we're taking that category and as part of the research we're doing between now and August 1st. Uh, we're hoping to build a framework of investment criteria for these emerging generative AI solutions. So I don't have that yet. It's certainly a tall order, uh, but we're working on it because our our clients and CX leaders, customer contact leaders, are asking for it uh, because it is a bit of a wild wild west right now.
0: It, it really is. I'll, I'll just tell you anecdotally. Like, um, in fact, I was talking to a guy who runs the AI division of another CX technology provider. And like his his full-time job is just to think about how we can leverage AI on behalf of our clients. And um, in in his view, I'm paraphrasing badly here, but in his view, um, first of all, there's nothing scary about it. You know, there's a lot of panic out there and, 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 and even research that's predicting doom and gloom about, you know, job loss, et cetera. He's like, look. As far as I can see, the extent of of his of his what's on his horizon, personally, is super hopeful. In that it it makes the as you said the the lower level tasks much more efficient. Mm-hmm. So you know, do you frame it as well? The people who were performing those tasks are now out of a job. Probably not. I mean, it's probably making their lives much easier, and they can be deployed to something else which is more strategically important.
1: Mm-hmm. The other way he
0: put it, he said, "Look, you know, even if they replace me and my job, and the only thing left for me to do is to go sit around on a beach while it does my job for me, it's like that's really not that bad." Which, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I appreciate that perspective right now.
1: Yes, certainly. It's it is such a exciting opportunity for innovation and i think you know i'd also be remiss to say as we've seen with a lot of technology algorithms for example like there has been by when those move too quickly and are built too fast a lot of bias can be built into them and that just perpetuates a lot of issues in terms of either employee experience and or customer experience and how our customers are dealt with or how our employees are approached and I think one of the reasons I, I kind of hope as an industry, and look, I'm not squarely in tech, I'm in customer contact and CX, but I hope as an industry tech maybe slows down or experiments a little bit more um, now is so that those same mistakes don't necessarily repeat themselves. Um, because I think the power of generated AI is huge. Uh, and just making sure that we build it in a diverse way that represents diverse customers and diverse employees is going to be, very important. And I don't have the answers there, but uh, I, and I also think as executives being patient for that reason will serve us well in the long term. If if that makes sense in terms of adoption.
0: It it makes sense to me. And I think you're echoing the sentiment of an awful lot of people. There was a, there's a, a a petition, if you will, that's being signed by executives all over the world saying, please slow down. And for all those same reasons, you know, it's, it makes sense just Mm -hmm. to think right now. Yes. I agree with you more, but those are the kinds of things I have. I have way too many baseless opinions on, and uh, they probably need some foundation or to be tossed out. And you guys are actually addressing that, so uh, well, we'll
1: have a research interview with you for sure, Mike. I definitely want to pick your brain.
0: I'm so honored, thank you. No, well, you're not going to get anything but baseless opinion. I'll just tell you right now. So <laughs> anyway, well, Nicole, I really appreciate this. I, this is this is great fun to talk about this. It is. You and I both understand, I think intuitively that this is the this is the center of the universe that all business revolves around. I don't think I'm overstating that. And um wish everybody understood and had the same perspective. But um I'm not kidding. If you're open to reconnecting in a couple of months or whenever your next research is released, um, I mean, I personally am fascinated by it and, and obviously can talk about it all day long, but um More importantly, our readers and listeners love this stuff because it's important to their businesses too. So um, thanks a million. Thank you.